This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? We are about to get started um, with our new sermon series, Don't Believe the Hype, and this is all about exposing the lies and speaking truth. And so that's what we're going to do is just um, really um, teach the truth of God's word with respect to um, your, your, your walk with the Lord. And in doing that, just expose the lies of the enemy. All right. So that's that's the plan um, this month is to encourage you to not believe the hype and not believe the lies of the enemy. And so we're going to look at this from a lot of different angles um, through the Word of God and just different things within the Word. And so I hope you're ready for this. I, I, my, my prayer is that this just encourages you to obey God and walk with God. Um, and no matter what, just let that be your commitment. Um, and so here we go. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you speak to us, God, and that we're changed as a result of your word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 8 to verse 14. And this is kind of like the, a theme scripture here for the month. I believe this is going to be kind of like the main text and it just kind of gives the context of what we're going to talk about in your walk with the Lord, in you walking in freedom, in your obedience to God, in you living this life for him. And so here we go. Ephesians 5 verse 8. It reads, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Uh, verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all God goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So that's what we're going to do this month. We're going to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, verse 13, here we go but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. And so this isn't really a point, but I'm making it a point, but here we go. Let's expose the enemy today, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna expose the enemy today, expose his lies. And so in doing this, it's just we're going to look at this from so many different angles. And really, maybe another way, like if we were to unpack this a little further, okay, kind of frame it up a little bit more. It's kind of like just exposing um, what the world really is. Maybe just bringing light to it. I think a lot of this, as, as Christ followers, we know. But hopefully this is maybe even, even if it's just a reminder, maybe just an encouragement, maybe the Holy Spirit kind of convicts us a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe tie up some loose ends spiritually, maybe, you know, make sure we're not getting loose 
in some things in the world, and maybe we're hopefully we're not. And if we are, that there'll be conviction of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, to convict us of maybe we have an open door somewhere, maybe maybe we're vulnerable in some area. So let let's let's expose him today. And so um, another verse here. I'm just kind of laying a foundation with for the month here, actually in the beginning. But Hebrews chapter eleven, verse twenty four and twenty five. I think this is another key text for this month. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, and it reads, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Or I think King James words it something like sin, the, 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 the pleasures of sin for a season, okay? And so what is this saying? That sin is pleasurable, but it does not last. And sin is pleasurable, but if we live in it, we will pay a price, right? We will, a sinful life will, will be paid some wages, and that, that wage is death. Okay, um, so let's expose the enemy today, okay? And I love this verse here, and it says that, man, this is the walk of faith, right? And it's saying, man, by faith, Moses did this, and by faith, he, he chose, you know, he refused to go along with the worldly system, and he, and he chose rather to suffer instead of the pleasures of sin. And so... Um, as we're talking about this, like, don't believe the hype. Why? Because, you know, sin is a lie. The devil is deceptive. And, um, you know, we don't want to sacrifice our long-term future for a momentary fix. Whatever fix that might be, um, that's how sin and the devil operate. That if he can deceive us, he'll get us to sacrifice um, a marriage for one moment of sex with somebody outside of our marriage. Come on, somebody, right? Or, or, or he get he he'd want us to sacrifice everything we've worked for, for for one hit of some drug to be satisfied in a moment, to have one few seconds, minutes. I don't even care if it's hours of pleasure, and throw away our entire future, everything we've worked for, everything we've paid a price for in our life. Come on now, the devil is a liar. And there's a reason people sin is, you know, that it is pleasurable, but only for a season. Season, And I'm reading out New King James in this verse, and it's like the passing pleasures of sin, right? So, so it's like, um, you know, when the temptation comes, we must ask ourselves, and I think this is a, just a good thing for us is because we're all tempted and we will be tempted in some way. Now, that temptation can be, take many shapes, sizes, and forms, but we're all tempted and so, in, in some way. And, and so um, maybe the question to ask ourselves is, is really, why do I want this so bad right now? Like, really? Okay, and I, I wanted really to be at the end of that question because it's like, really? Like, what is it? 
Why is this so tempting to me? Why? Why? What? Why do I want this, whatever this is, so bad right now? Really? And I think if we allow ourselves to pause and say, what is going on here? Right? To think, you know, um, uh, we, we, we don't always, the devil lies to us and he'll get us, entice us into something and, and he'll blind us from the consequences, right? So our journey of faith, okay, and we're, we're looking at the scripture about Moses here in, in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. It's, you know, our, our journey of faith will cost us something. You know, it, it'll cost us maybe um, what we feel like doing, what, what the enticement, right? So our journey of faith will cost us something, all right? And so we, we can't truly walk with God in this fallen world and not suffer to some degree. And even if that suffering is denying this, this fleshly desire, okay, the, the crucifying of the flesh, like this is a part of walking with God. This, this is not all of what walking with God is about, but it is. I mean, we're talking, this is New Testament. This is the book of Hebrews. It's talking about faith and it's saying, man, this man of God, Moses, chose, chose, choice, willfully chose. I would rather suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Okay, so so if, if we're honest, right? Come on now. Pleasure, in, in a sinful sense, will blind us from the consequences of sin, right? Desire, fleshly desire, will blind us of the consequences of sin. The, these other things where the devil will kind of tempt us or, 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 you know, we get in our flesh and even our anger can, can also blind us from the consequences of our actions. All right, so here we go. Here's, here's my next point here. The devil is lying to us about sin. Okay, so, so, so it's a lie. So if there's anything trying to pull you into sin in any type of sin, whatever sin it is, the devil is lying to us. Can I get an amen, somebody? The devil is lying to us about sin. All right? He's lying. It's a lie. He's lying to you about it. If, if there's any kind of just, we, we need to don't believe the hype, okay? He is lying to us about sin. He's lying to us about it. it, it, it it's a lie. It's a trap. He's, he's, he, he's up to no good. And uh, we need to expose that and really be honest and ask ourselves, why, why, why do I want this right now? What, whoa, 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 hold up, stop. What is going on? You know, uh, the devil's lying to you about sin. Okay, so here we go. Let's go to another verse here. Um, once again, just still kind of laying the foundation here for the month, but Proverbs 16, verse 25. Proverbs 16, verse 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. All right, the devil is lying to us about sin. And, 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 and when we start thinking it's okay, um, we're in trouble, folks. I'm telling you, we're in trouble. The truth, the truth is the wages of sin is death. The truth is a, 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 a life of sin leads to nothing good. The truth is the pa that sin is a passing pleasure. All right? So, and so, so he, he tries to entice us. You know, the Bible talks about this. I'm, we'll probably show this a dip, another week. I don't have this particular verse in my notes 
for today. But you know, the Bible says, you know, that we are drawn away and enticed by our own lust, you know, and when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is conceived, it brings forth death. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll discuss that a little more later in the month here, maybe next week. But, but there's a reason we're tempted. There's a reason I'm tempted in a certain way. There's a reason I'm, I, I, I'm vulnerable in that area. I am, for whatever reason, whether it's somewhere I come from, my temperament, my life experiences, whatever it might be that, you know, I, I can easily look at somebody else being tempted. I'm like, man, why, why are you tempted with that? Like, man, that, that, that you, you, should, you shouldn't be dealing with that. You shouldn't, that shouldn't be tempting to you. But it's tempting to them. It's just not tempting to me. And then there's areas of my life I'm sure people will look at and say, wow, why, why is Sean tempted with that? Like, how can the devil get you with that? Like, that's obvious. That, 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 you know, um, and so sometimes I think, you know, we, we're, we're, we're quick to judge people that to have a struggle we don't have, right? And so, uh, but the point is this, right? Whatever it is, whatever temptation, whatever type of deceit, is uh, there, whatever enticement is there, it, we're drawn away by our own lust. Like there, there's, we, you know, the, the, the devil obviously knows what to tempt us with. All right. And so there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Okay. Now we're talking about sin now. And so I, and now we're going to kind of just kind of continue to walk through this and kind of now talk about something that I believe sometimes, specifically now, we're enticed with things because there's some discontent in that area. There's something we're not content with. There's something we lack some sort of sufficiency. And so we get enticed. And so um, we must learn. Now we're talking about don't believe the hype. We're talking about exposing the enemy. And we're really talking about having a healthy interior life. You know, the condition of my heart, my heart towards God, my heart towards people, my heart towards my wife, my heart towards my kids, the interior. We're, we're talking about the heart this month. We're talking about you know, making sure my soul is right with God and my insides are good and healed and being healed and, you know, just having a healthy interior, okay? And so we must learn to win the war for contentment, especially in this crazy world, man, when you got so many things coming at you. And and so... um. What is it? Here's another question. What is it that keeps you from being content? What is it that kind of wars with contentment? And we're all different, but what is it in this world that tells you you're not enough? You haven't done enough. You need to do more. You're not satisfied. You're, you know what I mean? You don't have enough. You haven't done enough. Your wife isn't enough. Your husband isn't enough. Look at that husband over there. Look at that wife over there. Come on, somebody. We must learn to win the war of contentment. 
and, and, and being content with God's presence and being content with what we what he's given us and where we're at, okay? So my next point is like a fill in the blank. So I'm giving you some questions and I'm giving you a little homework here, but here it is. And this, this is a point, it's not really a point, but it's just kind of, maybe it's making a point and make, making us think a little bit. So for you, it's contentment versus fill in the blank. Like, what is that? I don't, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what it is, but what is it that gets you all flustered and discontent because if if the devil can get us to 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 be in this discontent that we are reaching for something we don't have and and it and it's bringing us into a place that is totally unhealthy and into sin and this is where we get these type of sins, jealousy, envy, you know what I mean? Pride, you know, these kind of things. If, you're, if we can get in a place of being discontent, and we look and we get jealous of what that person has because I don't have it. Get jealous of, person of that person's gift because I don't have it. Get jealous of how successful that person is in the world that I'm in and I'm not. Why not? As the psalmist would say, here's a, here's a prayer coming, a psalm, right? Coming from a place, of dis, why, a place of discontentment. Why do the wicked prosper? Right? But So contentment versus, now you fill in the blank. All right? What is it? What is it? Come on now. Be honest with yourself. Be honest before God. What is it that gets you? Why does it get you like that? Why does it get you? Why does it, why does it, why does it cause you to go into an unhealthy place emotionally, mentally? And, and you're just like, I don't have, this is all I have, this is all I've got. And then anxiety, fear, depression, you know what I'm saying? And we, you know, discontent, um, right? And so content, this is what it means in the Greek. This is what it means in the Greek. Atarkis, atarkis. It means sufficiency within, okay? We're talking about don't believe the hype. There's all kind of hype out here, all kind of lies out here in the world, okay? And, it, and we must learn to win the war of contentment or we will believe the hype, okay? But it means sufficiency within, okay? Um, it means inward adequacy. Okay, and this is like literally, the, the, the literal definition is God produced sufficiency. God produced, so we talk about healthy interior, um, sufficiency within, inward adequacy. God produced sufficiency. Okay, it, this comes through the indwelling power of Christ that I am sufficient that he is enough. You know, the Lord told Paul, as he wrote in one of his letters, my grace is sufficient enough. Okay, so content, all right, content. And, and with contentment, what we get into then is, is comparison. Don't believe the hype, people. Comparison, comparison is a reality we all must deal with. Some people might not want to admit it, but I guarantee you over the last seven days, 
In your inner thoughts, you struggled with some sort of comparison with another person, another family, another person in your field, another just somebody else's looks. You know what I mean? You start to rehearse that internally and, and it, it ain't going to take you nowhere nice. I know that's probably the horrible English, horrible way to phrase a sentence as far as, uh, but I'm going to say it again. Comparison, it, it, it ain't going to take you nowhere nice. Okay. All right. Um, and this is what we get into. We got to learn to win this war, guys, internally. All right. And, and, and um, we're going to read another verse here in just a sec. But let me just kind of talk about this just for a moment here. Um, this comes from our relationship with Jesus. This comes from time in his presence. This comes from... Um, Developing and growing in a relationship with Jesus because we will only truly be sufficient in him. And, 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 and it, it, he, he gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us a joy that this world can't give us. He gives us completeness and wholeness that this world cannot give us, folks. We, we must. We must learn to win the war for contentment. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. And this is going to be in the Amplified, okay? Because it just kind of explains it um, pretty well, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 in the Amplified. If you're joining with us on Facebook right now and, and um, our host... We'll definitely be putting this in the chat so you can kind of see this actual version, but most of y'all got your, your Bible there on, on an app or something, and you can just kind of go to that translation here. But here we go. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not, and so sorry, let me just explain this. So, so Paul's talking about really in context here to the Corinthian church, just that this particular community in Corinth was part of their, in a sense, um, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he's just kind of saying, hey man, this is part of our assignment. You know, we brought the gospel to you guys and and we're not we're not we're not boasting in somebody else's church like we're not we're not violent like like we're, we're we're boasting and celebrating what God has given us and so he was just very confident well, we're gonna read this here and just to explain but he's just very confident and and unapologetic about who God called him to be a pastor to okay and so and then he starts talking about some other people that that are not approaching it the same way. And so uh, he kind of explains this, and this really kind of ties into comparison. And when I read these verses, you're going to see uh, the deception in comparison. Okay, and then we're going to talk about how do we how do we really, how do we just evaluate ourselves without falling into the trap of comparison, but yet still be able to evaluate where we are, how can we do better in some area or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Or just maybe in a sense, like be motivated to, to do better or to do something different or, or maybe encouraged or challenged by somebody else. But, but, but once again, that's just being, being inspired by others, not in this um, deception of comparison. They're two different things. So let's read this and then we'll kind of go through it a little bit, but here we go. Um, I already said, said the verse, I'll say it again because I was talking for a bit there, but 2 Corinthians 10, 12 
to 13. Here we go. We, we do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or compare, compare ourselves with some who supply testimonials to com commend themselves. So what he's saying is these other people are just basically talking about how great they are, okay? It says, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they lack wisdom and have and behave like fools, okay? So he's talking about, look, these people are comparing about who's leading what churches and and whose who's church, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're comparing size or scope or whatever, but he's saying right here, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they lack wisdom and behave like fools, okay? And so verse 13, we, on the other hand, all right, will not boast beyond our proper limit, but will keep within the limits of our commission, our territory, our authority, which God has granted to us as a measure which reaches and includes even you, okay? So we, on the other hand, will not boast beyond our proper limit, okay? But we'll keep within the limits of our commission, which God has granted to us. So this is such a powerful thing that Paul communicates to the church about comparison. And so here's the next point that, and I think we know this already, but let me say it. Comparison is a trap. It's a trap. Don't believe the hype, okay? Don't, don't go down that road. And I think we all need to learn to shut it down, okay? To just, no, not going to do that, right? Stop. You know, it's like mind need to stop right now. Emotions and soul, no, I'm not going to go down that track. And so here is the question. Uh, why shouldn't we compare ourselves to other people or whatever, other things? Why shouldn't we do, as the scripture says here, says here, comparing ourselves among ourselves. Why? This is why. Because they are not the standard. And he uses the word measure here, which is interesting because that's where you get the word standard. Okay? We don't measure ourselves against other people. We don't compare ourselves on other people. Why? They're not worth comparing to. Okay? And we shouldn't compare against an unworthy standard. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying those people aren't great. I'm not saying they're not doing amazing things. I'm not saying they're not amazing people. I'm not saying they're not they're they're not beautiful people. I'm not saying they're not gifted people. I'm not saying they're not successful people. I'm just saying we should not compare compare our our state, our condition, our place, time, our relationship, our marriage, compare it with another. Why? Because when we compare, we're truly without maybe without realizing, it, we're basically saying they are the standard and they are not the standard, okay? Jesus is the standard. God is the standard. So, like I said before, others can motivate us, encourage us, even challenge us, okay? I'm not taking anything away from that. But never make any person the standard by which you compare yourself. Come on now. All right, I can be challenged, I can be encouraged, I can be motivated, I can be inspired by all kind of people and places and things around me. 
but never compare, think less of myself because of what somebody else has. That, my brothers and sisters, is a trap. Comparison is a trap. Do not believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. All right, here we go. Um, healthy way to evaluate yourself. Here's some questions. This is a healthy way to evaluate yourself. If, if you're the type that says, man, I love seeing what other people are doing. I love to be, you know, I love to just look and see what they're doing and just peer into it and go, wow, that's amazing. That's cool. That's great. I can learn something there. That, that's awesome. But here we go. Here's maybe a healthy way, the healthy way. And, and this is in light of your relationship with the Lord and kind of how you can um, be content and evaluate yourself without falling into the trap of comparison. Here's two questions you can ask yourself. Like, and these questions are framed like this, like if I wanna do better or if I wanna evaluate and kinda I want to take more ground, I want to broaden my success, I want to step a little further into something, I, you know, I wanna get another degree in college and I want to push my education a little further. I want to, you know what I'm saying? Whatever that might be. Here's some questions you can ask. What have I done with what God has said to me? It's a good way to evaluate yourself because you're comparing yourself against what God has said. And that's kind of, that's how Paul, that's what Paul alluded to here. Okay. Um, we will not boast beyond our proper limit, but we'll keep within the limits of the commission, territory, authority, which God has granted us as a measure. So he's like, man, I'm gonna compare myself against what God has given me, not what other people are doing. I'm gonna evaluate myself based on what God has said to me, what God has called me to do. And that is a proper evaluation. Here's another question to ask ourselves. Uh, what have I done with what God has given me? So I evaluate my own life and walk with God based on what he's given me, whether it be gifts, resources, relationships, people, talents. So, so yeah, if you're like, man, I could do more, praise the Lord. But that's not comparing yourself to somebody else and wanting to be like them and being jealous and envious and, you know, going into a, you know, just this, this place of, 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 of kind of being, I don't know, uh, whether you just go into overdrive and, you gotta prove yourself to everyone or you go into more of a place of depression because you just tried and you can't look at them and they're so much better than me or, I don't know, I, we all respond differently. But what I'm saying is that, that those, those things are, that's comparison, but this is different. This is like, okay, what has God given me? And kind of, okay, what have I done or what have I not done? Or well, what do I need to do? So you compare yourself against what God has said, you compare yourself against what God has given you and then you move forward. And then you grow and you, you make progress that way. And it's healthy because you're like, you're, you're going before the Lord with this stuff. And so here's my next point. We're going to get into some, some, something else here. We're going to kind of, kind of shift out of this and go into something um, here. And here it is. Here is the next point. It's a question. I got a bunch of questions <laughs> this week. But am I longing for God? Okay. And, and maybe that's leading into uh, kind of, coming out of talking about comparison and, and evaluation, but am I longing for God? Because we're going to go back and really talk about how our sufficiency for, comes from God. He is, he is all sufficient. His grace is enough. Um, his word, his presence, 
his view of us is eternally true and absolutely accurate. And so, and the Bible says we are completing him. So, so with all that said, um, am I longing for God? Psalm 84, verse one to seven. Am I longing for God? We're talking about contentment. We're talking about even sometimes going through the tough moments in life, those seasons where things are tough, those seasons where we're tempted, those seasons where we don't, you know, we're, we're wondering kind of maybe where, where, where are you, God? Or uh, we're going through a tough season and we're, we're walking by faith. We're obedient to God. We're following him. We're, you know, but, but even in those seasons, in the season, sometimes while well, God is tough and this is where the devil tempts us. Jesus was tempted with, with food uh, when he was fasting in the wilderness. And so the devil knows what to tempt us with. And so um, when we go through these wilderness experiences at times, these tough moments, these, these trials, tribulations, stuff like that, the question is, as we said, is am I longing for God? Because that will be the ultimate um, strength we receive. And if that is the difference makers on a spiritual level. Our longing and hunger and thirst for God is what will keep us when we go through those wilderness experiences, when we go through the valley, okay? And so let's read this. This is one of my favorite Psalms here, but Psalm 84, verse one to seven. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So that was Psalm 84, verse one and two. Goes on to talk about uh, the, psalm, the psalmist is just expressing his longing for God, his desire for God. And um, this is the difference maker. And so let's look at verse five, verse five, six, and seven now in Psalm 84. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Okay, a person longing for God, they're blessed. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage, right? I'm longing for God. I'm hungry for him. How lovely is your tabernacle. My soul longs, just even faints for the courts of my God, right? It's like, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And it, it, the, the scripture here is saying, man, this person, this man is blessed. Their strength, they, 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 their strength is in God. In verse six, here we go. Here comes the real deal. Here comes the valley season. A person longing for God, worshiping God, uh, going after God, and they find themselves in a tough place, okay? Happens to all of us. Verse six, as they pass through the valley of Baca, and Baca means weeping, okay? Crying, okay? So as they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping, they, these type of people, make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And so this is just, just a fascinating verse here. I mean, because you see all this beautiful stuff, this person longing for God, this worshiper, this one desiring for God's presence, knowing God's presence, and yet that person who's obedient, walking with the Lord, a true worshiper of God, and in our context, a follower of Christ, and yet they pass through the valley of weeping, okay? And so, um, here it is, like really, 
Nobody can be used of God and not have to learn to deal with the desert experiences of life. This is the reality of walking with God, okay? It'll seem like God has driven you into a seemingly deserted wasteland, <laughs> right? And, or maybe in some part of your life, some, some area of your life, right? The desert, right? If you look at a, like the true desert, a desert is where nothing grows and nobody lives, all right? But we go through these seasons, right? Um, the desert teaches you to deal with the times in your life where you don't see growth or progress. Like, you know, it's like that conflict of faith where I love God. I'm not in sin. I, I'm not backslidden, but I feel stuck. And this is where temptation comes in. This is where it hits us. So it's frustrating, if I could be honest with you, to be loving God and feeling like I'm not getting anywhere. It's like, God, what is going on? As I said before, I'm not sinning, but I'm not growing. I'm not backsliding, but I feel stuck. There are times where we feel like we're stuck. And so this is where the devil tempts right here in these moments, okay? And this is where we must learn to be content, to be faithful. And I'm gonna give you three points quickly. and We're gonna close with this. And here it is. In these times, these moments, we pass through the valley of Baca. Consistency is the key, okay? Consistency, right? Moms, husbands, wives, dads, speaking in family context, just as an example, we don't always feel like living up to the title, right? But we choose to get up and serve those in our world. All right, we get it. We get up, we feed our kids. We change diapers. We do what we got to do. So at times, this is what it's like to walk with God, that we don't feel like doing it, but we get up and we do it. Consistency is the key. All right? And, and here's another thing. And, and we're talking about contentment. Why? Because in these moments, if we don't have, you know, if, if, if there's no excitement, no this or that, no, no fireworks, then, then we give up, we go, we backslide, we go and sin, right? And we got to learn how to know that, man, consistency is the key. This ain't about just a bunch of excitement 24-7, 365. Our walk with God isn't, doesn't, we don't have, it's not about some like kind of emotional roller coaster. There are going to be times where we're called to just be consistent and, and allow God to build our character. Here's another way of saying it. In our walk with God, and, and just don't believe the hype and the lies of the enemy, the temptations that come when you're in the wilderness is this. We need to learn to thrive in monotony. Nobody likes monotony. Some people like it less than others, but we need to learn to thrive in it. Why? Because there are times when God is calling us to be faithful, and, it, and, it's, and it seems it's relatively mundane. It's like the same old, same old. And sometimes we need to learn to be faithful when things feel that way. And be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to what we're called to do. Learn to thrive in it, right? We've got to learn to master the monotony of life because it's not all a bunch of hoorah, hip, hip, hooray. Come on, somebody, right? We must find God. Find God in the monotony. Consistency is the key. God rewards faithfulness, okay? 
So this walk with God is, is just, if I'm honest, at times, most of the time, this is day-to-day living. Don't believe the hype. Our walk with God is day-to-day living. This, this, this is the making of a fruitful life. A faithful life is a fruitful life. Okay? And, and sometimes I, I believe these wilderness moments are the best thing for us. Because we learn to obey God when the feelings aren't there. We learn to walk with God when the feels aren't there. Right? And so we must learn, and we know this eternally true in the scripture, that it is faithfulness that is rewarded. It is faithfulness. It's not because you're gifted that you're going to be rewarded. It's not because you're anointed that you're going to be rewarded. It's not because of your personality that you're going to be rewarded. It's not because of your talent that you're going to be rewarded. We're going to be rewarded because of faithfulness. Don't believe the hype, right? People that always need bells, whistles, and fireworks are unstable and unfruitful. Somebody say amen. We need to learn how to walk with God through the monotony of life. I believe consistency is the greatest gift we could have. It's the greatest gift we can give our, our, our spouse. It's the greatest gift we can give our children is consistency. It's the greatest gift we can give our friends consistency. The greatest gift we can give our church community is consistency. Right? Anybody got any consistency out there? Because somebody needs it from you and you need it yourself. But faithfulness is rewarded. I don't know if I said that was my last point, but that's it. Faithfulness, consistency, and day-to-day trustworthiness. So necessary. And I will say this, that these things are underrated. All right? They're underrated, folks. But they are absolutely utterly important for uh, utterly important for our spiritual life and our journey. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for God, just that I pray that we would have a longing for you, God. And that longing wouldn't leave when we go through the valley of Baca. That that longing for you, that desire for you, that consistency to serve you and to love you and to obey you and to to live right would not leave just because the feelings aren't there. God, I pray that everybody here within the sound of my voice would not sacrifice their long-term walk with you and their eternity with you for a short-term sinful satisfaction. I pray, God, that we'd be people that are faithful and consistent and walk with you through the, the, the even tough moments of life and that our life on the mountain and in the valley would bring you glory, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.